Hi guys, this is Charlie Peck for the Thriving School Community Podcast. I am so excited about things that are coming up for you, these topics, the interviews, a lot of events that we have coming up that align with the framework of our new book, Improving School Mental Health, The Thriving School Community Solution. We definitely believe we have the solution to start making real sustainable change for mental health. And that's not just for kids, guys, that's for families and that's for staff because your staff is struggling too. So stay with me on this. There's a lot coming up. If you want any free resources, just go to thrivingschool.org. We have a bunch of stuff there for you. So just go check that out. All right. Today, I'm actually going to talk with you and share some information about how do you know when a student has a mental health issue in the first place? So I'm going to start by telling you about the birth of my first child. Now, I won't go into any details. That's not what we're here for, but it will link, I promise. So just stay with me on this. My obstetrician was with me the whole time, except for when I went into the hospital, when I knew I was going to give birth to my son. And he had actually had a heart attack and it was really sad. He was doing okay, but he, he just couldn't be there for me at that time. Understandable. So they flew in another guy, another obstetrician who helped me and I really struggled. So he was so sweet and so kind and really kind of saved me during that delivery. And I was really appreciative and we'll call him Dr. Sabador. So since it was my first delivery, um, I, I really just appreciated him, like I said. And a couple of weeks later, I called the office to thank him, um, but I told that he had passed away. And that was just two weeks after delivering my son. It was so sad. He was young and it was sudden and it was just super sad. And fast forward a couple of months, I actually got my first teaching job when my son, who I just delivered, was only four months old. So I went into school and I got a long-term sub job as a business teacher to start. And when I was teaching, the they were teenagers. So they said, hey, um, you know, what was your best memory so far? And I was like, well, definitely the story of my birth. And they're like, oh, that's so boring. Tell us something else. I'm like, oh, no, absolutely not. This is really important. I gave them the details. And they're like, wow. But the energy of the classroom changed. It was really interesting. And I started to go back to try to teach the lesson. And I kept getting really annoyed by a kid in my class who was talking a lot. He was really nice and apologetic about it, but he was so chatty and he was joking around a lot. It was just disruptive and I was getting frustrated. So I approached him and I'm like, hey man, can you just stop talking? I'm trying to get this lesson out to you guys. And he said, well, we were just talking about the story that you told. He said, my dad is the one in your story. Who's the obstetrician who helped you? And I, I was floored. I could not believe. I just couldn't understand. I was like, what do you mean? Well, that doctor, we'll call him Dr. Odessa, that doctor had moved in um, and I didn't expect him to, nobody expected him to move, but the opportunity was so good for him that he had moved his whole family over in this short period of time and unfortunately had lost his life in that process. So his family had moved there and this kid ended up not only in my school and my city, but in my school, he was also in my class. And you just never know why these kids are seemingly acting out. This kid was a nice kid, but he was talking a lot, of course, and that was the buzz of the room. And what I learned is that there's so much more to the story. He was annoying me, but understandably, like once I under, once I knew what he was talking about and um, I softened, I softened my approach. I shifted my entire attitude towards him and how I was responding to him. 
And I started thinking more about other kids. Now I was new, I was brand new, but as I went along in my teaching career, I started paying more attention to kids' backstories and I talked to them more. I asked them a lot more questions because this story kept creeping back into my teaching experience as I moved along the system. And even to today, I mean, there are so many stories I have to share with you all. And I will do that as we move along through this podcast. But what I want you to understand is you may not know that a kid is struggling or you might have a kid who is struggling, but they're acting out in ways that you would never expect. This particular kid was actually struggling, but he was holding it together because he had a lot of kids, um, a lot of his friends. And I I hate to say kids because he's a teenager and he's not a kid, but he was amongst his friends. So he's going to show up a little differently in a whole classroom when he's uncomfortable. And, and maybe, I mean, this was very fresh. I was provoking some grief for him and he was talking a lot and he was, he was laughing. So you would have never expected that something had gone wrong. So I want you to think about some things as you think about the students sitting in front of you, or if you're a leader, you're in a leadership role, I want you to think of your staff. You might be at a staff meeting. You might be seeing some kind of behavior pattern shift. You might be in some kind of training that they that you notice that they've done something differently that seems out of character for them when a piece of information was shared. But when you get to know people, you, you definitely know when behavior patterns shift. So I want you to look for that. Anxiety and depression are kind of like best friends. And those typically show up together kind of hand in hand. Um, and then you'll see like some irritability together. You'll see there's difficulty concentrating. And what I mean by that is when somebody has anxiety a lot, and especially if it goes underdetected, it shows it, it can, um, they can become depressed and, Um, And so that's what I mean by those kind of show up together, but a kid or a staff member might become more irritable than usual, or they might have difficulty concentrating. Sometimes it gets shifty, um, shaky. Sometimes they might rock back and forth. I know of kids who were identified as getting assessments for autism and they weren't autistic, but it was because they were showing up with kind of rocking because their environment was too stimulated, or they were suffering for some, some really big traumas going on at home. And that's how their body was responding to it. Sometimes kids just get overwhelmed by noises or groups. By the way, so do adults. So do adults. I had a principal who asked me in a training about um, how to get out of doing doing events because he was an introvert. And I said, well, I mean, part of the role is to be able to engage in those, but you also have a lot of rock star staff who are very good at doing that or energized to do that. So maybe swap something with them so you're not overwhelming them, but let other people in your, in your space and in your group, help you with that. If you're struggling with being an introvert and sometimes there's just timing issues with that and you don't always um, have the energy to show up the way you want to. But anyway, we're looking at these different pattern shifts. Okay. So again, just keep in mind that this might be your staff members. So sometimes these look like ADHD symptoms too. And instead of us just labeling kids or labeling staff, especially ADHD would be something that would show up for a kid Um, And I know that there could be a whole episode on adult ADD or adult ADHD, but we want to understand that we need to stop labeling kids and identifying problems that we think we already know the answer to. We need to get more curious about it. We need to figure out um, like I'm missing something. What am I missing? Because something's off or something's different. And sometimes nothing shows up. It doesn't seem like anything is different. And so we just have to notice that something um, 
might be happening with every single kid in our class. And so it, you, we just have to understand some of these things that, that show up or, or don't show up, but those patterns over time, when you get to know them, that's what you'll notice in those kids who seemingly don't have anything wrong. They will have something that changes eventually. All right. Especially when they start trusting you, they'll let that show in front of you. Avoidance, absenteeism is another sign or symptom of either anxiety or just something's different. Something's off. Something isn't right, especially if they were always showing up or always handing their work in or usually, and that changed. And again, this is staff, staff too. I mean, they might be at every single meeting or they might be on time all the time. And then suddenly, or even gradually, they're not showing up as much, or they're not, they're not raising their hand to share their insight as much. Same with kids and teens. All right. Sometimes there's a gender uh, difference too. Boys might be more aggressive and fighting when they're feeling really irritable. Um, and sometimes that stems from anxiety and depression. Sometimes they're withdrawing a lot. Sometimes girls will show it in different ways too. There might be more self-harming, but I hate to generalize it because even though I did notice some of those gender differences, we can't, we can't always generalize like that. So I just want you to notice that if a, if a kid is fighting or if a kid is more aggressive or more irritable, that doesn't necessarily mean they're being a jerk or certainly not trying to be a jerk. They don't want that. And so I want you to just understand like, what am I missing? What's going on under the, underneath that? Something clearly is different, especially, especially if they don't typically respond that way. I just heard of a middle school fight among two girls, two girls who were seventh graders who are in the same social circle, and they don't tend to have these aggressive behaviors, but they got in a fight, a physical fight, and it actually stemmed from um, some other other things going on that you can probably fill in the blanks. I don't want to give too many details, but it wasn't like them. It was so out of character. And so clearly they're holding on to something that they're uncomfortable with that needs to be um, just paid attention to. Sometimes they're more confrontational than other times. And you're like, oh my goodness, there was a kid who I used to teach and he was quiet and always just very pleasant to be around. And he confronted me with this tone of voice that I had never heard from him. And I was taken aback. And uh, because I was a seasoned teacher and I had experience with this already, thank goodness that I was able to be very calm about it. But it, as an earlier teacher, had I had I not thought about it, I may have responded a lot differently and shut that kid right out. Um, but instead I was able to kind of bridge that gap and say, Hey, gosh, something must be going on. And he softened very quickly when I gave him that out. So just pay attention that uh, these kids need us to create a safe space for them when they're showing up with these kinds of behaviors. Older kids tend to have riskier behaviors. Other like teenagers, older teens, tend to have riskier behaviors when they're struggling with mental health. Like they might have engage in more self-harm or riskier activities with their friends, sometimes sex early drugs. A lot of times these kids are using drugs as a way to calm their nerves. It feels calm to them. It's the only way they think that they can feel calm. And so self-harm shows up that way too. I mean, we could do an entire episode on each of these things, but just know that sometimes they're numbing pain or they're trying to feel something because they feel numb typically. So there's a, a lot going on here. And some kids who get in trouble might be easily coerced by their peers. And if that happens a lot and you're noticing that in kids, certain kids, certain teenagers, just know that they might have something going on with them, like 
fetal alcohol syndrome. And that's very difficult to diagnose unless their parents or really their mother is going to agree that she drank alcohol while she was pregnant with them. And if not, you'll never know, but you can tell that there are some behaviors like that. Some kids are just, they, they're talked into doing some risky behaviors by their peers. They get attention for it. They don't really process the information as well about what might happen as a consequence. So if you're noticing a teen or a kid getting in trouble a lot, let's dive into that a little bit more. I mean, we're not going to assume all these kids have something wrong, like fetal alcohol syndrome, but something might be off and something else is certainly going on. So we just need to understand that the behaviors are symptoms of the problem. They're telling us a story and you may not know what the problem is or if a kid's struggling. And also I keep saying this, but before we actually judge that behavior, I just want you to like, think, what am I missing? Everybody has their own story. Everyone has a story to tell, and you're not going to have all those details. Even if they share some information with you, there's probably a lot they're leaving out. Even when you have a great relationship with them, sometimes that's different. Sometimes they share a lot and you don't know what to do with that. Again, that's a different episode. We have to lean on the people in our building for that and have some protocols around that stuff. But what I'm trying to tell you here is just notice that there's something going on that you might be missing and are likely missing. And you may never know why these kids are acting out the way they are. And so just notice, this is the trick here. Just notice how you're responding to them. When you notice that you're showing up a little differently or even something subtle, like your heart races more or your face gets more flushed. Or sometimes when you're irritable, you talk louder or get bigger or you talk faster. Just when you're feeling something different in you, then something's different in the exchange. And so just notice yourself first and then catch yourself making an assumption about that and stop that in its tracks. We are going to make assumptions. I'm not telling you not to because your brain is going to do that to cut some, um, take some shortcuts around thinking. So you're not going to actually get rid of that, but I want you to catch yourself making an assumption and then replace that assumption with, Hmm, I wonder what I'm missing. Right? So how are we going to know when kids are struggling with mental health issue? Well, you may never know, just like the kid who was in my class, the teenager who was the son of the obstetrician who lost his life recently. And it, I happened to tell a story about it and I had no idea right? So just keep that all in mind and um, just think, I wonder what I'm missing. Thank you so much for being here, you all. Please come back and listen to more of these episodes. If you could like and share this episode, and more importantly, if you could rate it and leave a quick review, that would be so helpful for visibility. And if you'd like to know more about any of the stuff that we're doing here with Improving School Mental Health, we have some great practical tools for you in our book, Improving School Mental Health, The Thriving School Community Solution. It's on Amazon. Just go get it there. All right. Stay tuned and come on back. I appreciate you being here. Thank you.